morning, Blackrock. All right, a little better than a first service, but it's okay. Good morning, Blackrock. Good morning. Hey, uh, before I jump into uh, our message this morning and introduce myself, I first want to do something and make sure I don't miss this. Um, there are uh, two families here in our church who I am very thankful for in the, in the ways that they have impacted the kingdom of God here and have served in our church, and they are moving, and this is actually their last Sunday, and that's the Hiders and the Johnstons, and we just we love them so much, and we, we just pray their ble- uh, God's blessing on their lives as they kind of transition to a new place to serve him there and impact the kingdom uh, where he leads them. So if you see them, uh, Scotty and Maggie or, or, or Craig and Robin, please uh, uh, make sure you to say goodbye and give them big, huge hugs. So, um, but my name is Tim Blow, and I am the lead director of student ministries here at BlackRock, and we're just so excited to be here and to share God's word with you. And um, I just want to say, if you are a student or you're a parent of a student who has never been a part of our student ministries before, can I just encourage you, uh, check us out this fall. Kind of see, just give God a chance to see what he might want to do in your life. And if you're an adult here and you're saying, hey, um, I might be interested in, in serving in student ministry. Well, let me tell you, this is one of the most amazing opportunities for you to invest in the life of a young person who's moldable and shapeable and who can do amazing things for the kingdom of God. So if you're interested in getting involved in that, I want to encourage you, uh, head to the hub. It's our little room kind of behind the cafe. Meet a guy named Andy Schnepp. He's on staff with us here at BlackRock, and he'd love to kind of tell you more about how you can get involved in our ministry. Um, so again, thank you for letting us be here today. I I love God. I love students, smells and all. And, uh, you've had a chance to see a small portion of the amazing students that we get to minister to and pour into. Um, and, uh, there's one more of those students and he's sitting right behind me and that's Josiah Kish. And he's going to kind of be tag teaming with me here this morning on, on our message today. And we're just excited to be here and to serve God in this church. And before I do anything else, I just want to stop and pray. So let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you that you are a God who loves us. That God, you are a God who, uh, Lord, has given us the freedom to worship with all that we have. And God, I pray right now that your spirit would just continue to fill this place, to fill the hearts of those in the seats. God, you would speak through Josiah and I, God, to to give your word in a way that is life-changing, a way that brings freedom. God, I pray that there would be people, when they leave this place, would be free today. God, thank you for all of this. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, your devices, please uh, jump to Galatians chapter 5. That's where we're going to spend most of our time this morning. Uh, And you can kind of jump in, and we're going to jump right into this behind me. So Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 says this. It says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Freedom. That's what we're going to be talking about this morning uh, here is freedom. God's desire is for our freedom. Here's what the uh, John Piper, who was a kind of famous pastor, said about freedom. Here's what he said. He said, it is a clear and unqualified command. Stand firm and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. This is the will of God for you, your freedom. Uncompromising, unrelenting, unshakable freedom. For this Christ died. For this he rose. For this he sent his spirit. There is nothing he wills with more intensity under the glory of his own name than this. Your freedom. God's desire 
is for your freedom. And freedom really is at the, the root of our heart's desire for every man and woman in this room. It's a driving force behind everything that we do. See, all of us are, bro- are born into this broken world, and we realize how broken it is at a much, unfortunately, a much earlier age than even these students that were up on stage here. And, we, and, and so we, what we try to do is we want to fix that. We want to fix that yearning, that longing in our hearts. And so everyone in this room, the reason why you're driven or that you're lazy, the reason why you're pursuing relationships or hiding from them, the reason why you're honest or you're a liar, the reason for all those different things is because you're seeking after freedom. Freedom from the things that haunt you. Freedom from the things that are gnawing inside of you. Freedom from the things that weigh you down. Freedom from the inner turmoil inside of you. Freedom. That's why Jesus had to come. That's what, and we all want freedom, and God wants that for us too. You know, adults have a tendency to look at students, like the students that were up here on stage, and like, man, oh, if I could be young again, I just I envy the freedom that they have. And you, you know, it's easy to look at the, these young men and women and, and think they're freedom from responsibilities, you know, freedom from bills, they don't have to work a job, from hauling kids from this event to that one, to that one, to that one, you know, um, you just feel like they're free to do what they want, and you kind of envy that. I mean, even when it comes to worship sometimes, adults can envy students being like, wow, they're so free, look how they just worship, they don't care what other people think. And maybe that just happened in that song that we sing and we were or shouting, and, and maybe you thought you were envious of the freedom, or you just thought we were weird. Either one could be true. Um, but what's interesting about this mindset of freedom is I almost guarantee you a lot of students view you in the same light. And they say you as the one that's being, us adults as being free. We're free, you know, to like, you know, not go to school and do what we want with our day. You know, we have freedom uh, to go and, and where we want and not have to check in with moms and pops. You know, we have money or so they think, you know. And, and if you've ever been a parent of a teenager or you ever have, you know that you have that freedom to give that money to your sweet, charming and deserving children. God desires for our freedom, but the problem is that we've twisted what freedom is. So our culture, what this, what this word freedom means in our culture does not align itself with the definition that we see in Scripture. See, our culture has defined freedom to be able to do what you want. That's of highest value. If I can do what I want without hindrance, without any repercussions, that's freedom. I checked out a forum that, where these people were discussing what freedom means to them. And as they discussed it, the guy who started the forum, but he also pretty much summed up what everyone else said. Here's what he said. He said, to me, freedom is not only being free, but feeling free to do, to say, to be, to literally anything, whatsoever, however, wherever and whenever, because I am myself and only I own me, therefore I can. Sounds philosophical or grammatically incorrect, but one of those is right. Um, See, God's desire is for our freedom. Uh, that's what Galatians 5.1 says. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. What we in this room need to make sure of is that we don't, through our own choices, through our own misconceptions of what freedom actually is, that we don't find ourselves having willingly, even if we do it unknowingly, submitting ourselves again to slavery. 
four or five years ago, I walked into Pizza Mediterranean and Blackheart Turnpike here in Fairfield, and I was just picking up a pizza from my family. And I went in there, and there was this um, slightly older gentleman, and I use that term gentleman very loosely, uh, who was there waiting for his order. And uh, as I was standing there, it was very evident, that's how bad it was, that this man uh, had a very much an interest in the uh, uh, attractive, very much younger woman behind the desk, behind the counter. And uh, after a while, he just, he spoke, which is not good. And, uh, and he kind of did it not directly to me, pretty much to anyone with an earshot. He just wanted us to know. And here's what he said. Man, do you see that? If I was 15 years younger, you better believe I'd be going after her. I believe he thought that. I don't think that he actually would have succeeded. But uh, after another round of inappropriate and very much self-seeking uh, comments, he randomly turned to me and asked me two questions until uh, uh, that one previously one-way conversation then ended. Here's what he said. He said, uh, first question was, uh, where do you live? I said, oh, I live here in Fairfield. He's like, oh, cool. Uh, so what do you do for a living? <laughs> And how I answered that question was probably the last response he expected. He said, oh yeah, I'm actually a pastor over at Black Rock Church. I have never seen anyone backpedal as fast as he did at that point. And this look of horror and embarrassment came over his face. He's like, forgive me, Father, I didn't know who you were. <laughs> I have to say, no one's ever called me Father besides my own kids. And, and I'm sure that wasn't what he meant. And even though that moment was, was semi-comical... That whole encounter reflects two areas of life where people, including people who generally know Jesus, find themselves enslaved. This issue of freedom is huge, and we could spend weeks on this. Not today. Um, But what we're going to do is we're going to look at Galatians 5 and see the two different areas of life that God wants to give us freedom. That first area of life that God wants to do this in is freedom from religion. And Josiah is going to come up now and teach that to you. Oh, uh, oh, hey, that works. All right, sorry, testing out the mic. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. I'm Josiah, if you haven't heard him. And I would like to say to everyone, welcome to Black Rock. And thank you so much for being here this morning. Also, thank you for letting me, like a high school student, and Tim Blow talk to you this morning. It's such an honor to do this. But let me jump right in. So, uh, I would like... Just to start this, I guess, message off saying two things. One, I'm not really going to be too funny this morning. Mostly, I mean, if you know me, I like to joke around. I'm never serious. But I'm not going to be too many, or I'm not going to be too funny this morning for two reasons. One, I don't want to waste a single second making you laugh when I could be telling you about this gospel that's changed my life and given me so much joy. And two, I'm not that funny. So, <laughs> these work perfectly together. Now, jumping right in. Throughout this entire message, you're going to see this motif come out. And it's this. God came to free us from all things. Jesus Christ died on the cross, not just to set you free from sin, not just so that we could live a life of happiness with him, but so that we could be free. Now, uh, like I said, one of the things that I'm going to be talking about today with freedom is religion. You see, a lot of us today are slaves to it. And in fact, I disagree with the idea of religion. Now, before I get thrown out, let's continue. <laughs> uh, I get this from uh, chapter or Galatians 5, chapter 2, where it says, Look, 
I, Paul, say, or say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. Now, Christ isn't, or no, Paul isn't dashing circumcision right now. He isn't saying that it's wrong. He isn't saying that if you're circumcised, you can't go to heaven. Instead, what he's saying, if you start putting your faith in deeds, in your own works, over Christ dying on the cross, then Christ's death was meaningless to you. And this is why I kind of disagree with the idea of religion. Because it's man's attempt to try to get to God. See, we are broken. I am so broken. I believe we all are to some degree. That's why we need Christ. And when we try to make our way to heaven, it just doesn't make sense. We should be relying on Christ. But I digress, because that's a complete tangent. So... For those of you who think you may not be, I guess, a slave to religion in some way or another, stick with me. Because I noticed I'm a slave to religion. So, for those of you who call yourselves Christians, you probably come to church every Sunday. Or have some sort of commitment in that sense. You dress up, wear nice clothes. You do things for God, not necessarily out of guilt, or not necessarily out of joy, but out of guilt, actually. And before you know it, you're a slave to this idea of religion. Somewhere along the line of us being saved by Christ, our thought process gets messed up. We start thinking that we need to do good things for God in order to earn his favor. Or somehow we need to pay Christ back for dying on the cross. Now everyone, this is the opposite of everything that's in the gospel. And praise God for that. Because none of us are good enough to go to heaven. But... I digress again. <laughs> and I want to talk to everyone in here who isn't a Christian or someone who's just having trouble with Christianity in general. Throw out all of your preconceived notions on what Christianity is supposed to be like. Just throw them out the window. I can't say this enough. Christianity shouldn't be a list of rules that we have to live by, a list of regulations that we live our life by. It's not a slavery. It's not something that we have to do. It's a relationship with God. A relationship with a guy who loves us more than life itself. And it's a relationship with a guy who died for us. Now, I'm going to speak again just to everyone. Christians, non-Christians alike. Everyone. I can't, I can't say this enough. Christ died for us, and we should live for him. But, actually, I don't know why I said that. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> now, let me just talk to you like, like real people. Guys, Christ died for us. His flesh was torn. His bones were broken. He hung there on a cross for six hours as he suffocated to death so that we could live with him. All right? And when we see Christ dying on the cross and we turn our backs and say, Thanks, God, you died for the cross, or you died for my sins just so that I can live with you, but I've got this. I can do this. I don't need your sacrifice. I'll earn my way to heaven through good deeds. It's ridiculous. We can't do that. I can't do that. None of us can. We can't earn our way into heaven. So we shouldn't be trying to live our life to please this idea of a slave driver God that we have in our head. Christianity isn't 
a list of rules. It's a life of joy with the guy who loves you. So I just want to close this out and say, God isn't calling you to be a slave. He's calling you to be a son, a daughter of his. He doesn't want you to live a life of boring rules, which you have to live by or else he gets angry. He's calling you to live with him. Like in the Garden of Eden where we just spent time with him. We didn't have to go out and do things for him. We just loved him. And he loved us back. God wants to give us this life of the Spirit that will give us joy beyond what we can comprehend. And that's where Tim comes in. So thank you so much. So the close of an important speech to Congress in, in January 6, 1941, President Franklin D. Roosevelt basically laid out his vision for a post-World War II world where he described four different freedoms that he saw were essential to life. Uh, freedom from, of speech, freedom of worship, freedom from want, and freedom from fear. And unfortunately, in many ways, these freedoms aren't all that more present in the world today than they were in 1941. Because the reality is our world needs a different type of fear, a, fi- a, freedom, a freedom, a fifth freedom. People, mankind, in order for us to truly be free, we need to be free from ourselves and the tyranny of our sin. See, the other area of life that God wants us to experience freedom is a freedom from self. And we're going to pick back up in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, and here's what it says. For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Inside each and every one of us is this desire to be free, to walk in freedom, to be, um, to be full and whole. And try to, we try to pursue this, we try to chase this, but at the same time there's this opposite uh, force that's happening, and it jumps in there and says, no, I'm going to get freedom and wholeness by pursuing what I want what, and what I'm after and what makes me happy. And although freedom, uh, and although we want freedom and wholeness, we constantly bind to this exposed lie that somehow going after our own pursuits and what we want is what's going to fulfill us. And all it does is tell this story that we so often fall into. Okay, I can't wait till I get that good job. Okay, I can't wait till I find a woman. Okay, I can't find, wait till I find a different woman. Okay, uh, I can't wait till I have kids. I can't wait till my kids graduate and go to college and get out of my house. You know, I can't wait till I retire. Okay, I, I can't wait. And what we think and what we develop here in our culture is that we have this, we believe that by fulfilling our own desires, we're finally going to find freedom. That once we get to this certain level of life, this level of goal, this level of job, this level of house or relationship, as soon as we get there, then there's freedom. Then there's wholeness. Then there's joy. Then there's happiness. But it's all too predictable what happens when we get there. We, even though the world may look at us and see that, say that we've somehow succeeded, when we get there, we find ourselves wanting so we go out that freedom even harder. We work harder to try to get that, that next level of, of, of freedom, and, and yet we're still found wanting. And so what happens time after time after time after time is life just teaches us that these pursuits of ourselves 
self-seeking does nothing but leave a wake of destruction in our lives and the lives of those around us. Paul's making it clear in these verses, in verses 13 to 15, that we will ultimately find, ultimately find freedom by laying down our lives. Otherwise, we'll devour and or be consumed by everyone and everything around us to some degree. So we have a choice here in Galatians 5, and we see it in the next few verses. Live a life of self-gratification or the opposite. Live a life of selfishness or spirit-led life. Either we live a life that says, hey, it's all about me, uh, what makes me happy or fulfilled, I don't, I don't care about what happens to other people, or we lay down our lives. Verse 16 says this, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. See, there's two competing forces that are going on inside all of us. Our natural sinful selves seek our own pleasure, what we want for ourselves, versus when we lay down our lives in order to be led by the Spirit of God. That's what the Bible calls our flesh versus God's Spirit working in our lives. And this is really where the, freedom, the, the paradox of freedom lies, what freedom and what freedom really is. But let me just define paradox for you very quickly here. A paradox is defined as this. Something that is made up of two opposite things that, and that seems impossible but is actually true or possible. Something that is made up of two opposite things and that seems impossible but is actually true or possible. See, our, well, our world is telling you and I that, and we so fall, often fall into the trap, that we, that I will experience true freedom when I just do what I want to do, when I want to do it, where I want to do it, and it's all for me. But the picture we see in the Bible looks a bit different. According to God's word, in order to be free, I must forget about me. In order for me to be free, I've got to forget about me. In order for me to not um, get that free, in order for me to get that freedom I really want to have, I, got, I, need to, I need to realize it only comes from God. Jesus paints this picture for us in, Matthew, in Mark chapter 8, verses 34 and 35. He said, if anyone come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will find it. What Jesus is saying here is that if we do our best to look out for ourselves and make our own way, you know, look out for number one, then we're just going to find ourselves wanting. But if we lay down ourselves and our lives and instead live by the, according to the Spirit of God, and we love God and love others as he's calling us to do, that's when we can truly find freedom in life and what we are created to have. See, our lives are not just some product of random happenings. The Bible says that we were created. As with most things that were created, we were, we were created not just randomly or without purpose, uh, you know, to find purpose in and of ourselves. We were created by God with a purpose, and a large part of that purpose is to become more and more like Jesus as we love God and love others. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has made you. He's made me. There's nothing random about it. There's a loving God behind who we are. And I'm not going to sugarcoat this. This is denial of yourself. This is you denying the broken, fractured by sin version of you so that you can find joy and freedom in who you were actually created to be. 
It's God's Spirit moving you from who you were to a realization of who you were created to be so that through His Spirit you can walk in that purpose we see in Ephesians 2.10. God desires for you to be free. He desires for you to be free from the confines of religion like Josiah talked about. The, the, uh, this religion that gives you this list of things that you need to do in order to gain God's favor in your life. But these things are not of God because they minimize Christ's work on the cross. God desires for you to be free. He desires you to be free from yourself. How can you know if you're doing this? How can you know if, if, this is how, if you're living for yourself or not? Well, Paul makes this very clear by describing what these two different people look like. In verse 19, here's what he says. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. That doesn't sound like freedom to me. To me, it sounds like selfishness, brokenness, pain, and regret. There's nothing about that that says freedom. But then Paul goes on to lay out what a, what a freedom person who has, who has laid down their life, what that looks like, the fruit of their life. And here's what he says in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gent- faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Again, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You may have not known what freedom looked like before today, but I bet you think this is what it feels like. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So where does this all begin? Where does freedom begin? How do we get there? Ephesians 2.10 shows us that we're created with purpose, but the two verses leading up to that tell us how we get there. And I don't think that's by accident. Ephesians 2.8.9 says, For by grace you have been saved. Through faith. And this is not your own doing. This is a gift from God. Not a result of works that no one can boast. Freedom begins with Jesus. Not with steps. Not with fixing all your self-centeredness. It begins with Jesus. It's sustained by Jesus. Freedom ends with Jesus. It is the work of God's grace in your life. Not the work of your own hands. Not what you seek after. It's a free gift for everyone. It's by God's grace through Jesus you can experience freedom today. For some of you that have a relationship with Jesus, you've experienced that free gift we see in Ephesians 2, but for some reason, contrary to to Galatians 5.1, you've allowed yourself to fall back into slavery again. So whether you're trying to get in good with God through religious acts or living to, to please yourself, decide this day to drop that. To drop what's enslaved you once again. Believe that there's nothing that you need to do to earn God's favor. Believe that, there's, that you are a son and daughter that he's done everything for through his death of his son on the cross. There's nothing you have to do except for live in the freedom that he's given to you. See, the truth that living for yourself, that the truth is living for yourself will always leave you wanting. Stop buying into the lie. Realize what the truth really is. Because that lie will eventually chain you down and keep you from experiencing the life that God has called you to live, even if, you're, even if you are a Christ follower here. Turn this over to Jesus and ask the Holy Spirit to do work in your life. Maybe even today, after this service, you come forward and get prayed for. Because there's many women who would love to pray God's Spirit into your life. There's one more person I want to just address before we let you guys go. 
And that person, maybe that's you this morning, and you're here, and you're stuck. Like all of us at one time, you are stuck in your sin. You're a slave to your sin. You long so much to be free. Perhaps this is even the first time right now in this room that you've known that you want to be set free. You want to be free from your sin. I encourage you, to, encourage you today to place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. Place your trust in the one that, who is the only one who can give you life and set you free. He loves you so much and desires you to free. And God's proved that through the fact that he sent his son to die for your sins. And all you have to do is to have salvation, to have life with him, is to accept that. Place your trust in him alone today. Let's pray. Gracious Father God, I, Lord, I just want to quickly... God, thank you for our time here this morning. And God, I pray if there is anybody here this morning who longs and desires to let go, be set free from their sin, to not be a slave any longer, God, I pray right now that they would ask you to set them free. That they would place their trust in you for their salvation. They would place their trust in you for freedom. God, that they would lay down themselves, God, and allow you to be the one that does the work to save them. God, give them life. Allow them to know your goodness and your peace in their lives. God, I pray that you'd bring them wholeness. And God, I pray that they would, they would tell somebody here that they've made that decision. And God, I pray that you continue to work in their life. God, I pray that you'd set us all free to live the lives you've called us to. Lives of love for you and love for others. Pray all this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and all God's people said, Amen.